Welcome to T. Rowe Price's Confident Conversations on Retirement. My name is Christine Nagins, and I'm delighted to be your host. I've spent my career helping people prepare for retirement. My colleagues joining me today are financial professionals who help people on their retirement journey, whether they're planning for retirement or are already there. So today we're going to be talking about how Social Security works. We're hoping to cover a lot of questions around how benefits are calculated and the ever-popular question, when should I start collecting Social Security? That's an important one, and if you're not sure what might be optimal for your situation, it can be a real confidence killer. Fortunately, these two gentlemen here have given this topic a lot of thought and are here to help. I'm joined by Eugene Frattini, a chartered retirement planning counselor, and Roger Young, a certified financial planner professional. Welcome to the show, Gene and Roger. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, let's jump right in. Gene, how are Social Security benefits calculated, and who is eligible? To qualify for Social Security benefits, you need 40 Social Security credits, and you can earn up to four credits per year, which means that over a 10-year period, you'll get 40 credits, and that's where most people will uh, qualify for Social Security benefits. Most people are interested in how they calculate my benefit, like how much money am I going to have? And they take the best 35 years or the top 35 years of your earning history. And it doesn't have to be consecutive. I, I get that question a lot. More likely, it'll probably fall that way. But it could be any, any of the top 35 years that you have. And the important thing to realize here is that if you have less than the 35 years, when they go to calculate it, Social Security will, will fill in zeros for what's ever missing to make up that 35. So if you've got 30 years of working history, they're going to add zeros, and that's going to affect, obviously, your overall average. So important to know where you are with that, and you can check that earnings history on their website to make sure you are getting the proper credit. So, for example, Social Security benefits at full retirement age might replace 30 to 40% of your income for someone earning under $100,000, but only 15 to 20% for someone earning over that. One thing I'd add to it is that they do adjust for inflation when they're doing those 35 years. So if you are making $15,000 a year back 40 years ago, they adjust that into today's dollars so that they're all on kind of an equal footing. So you don't necessarily assume that those earnings from many years ago won't be counted. They might once the inflation is, is accounted for. Those are some really great points. Roger, what is the average Social Security benefit and how much do retirees depend on it for retirement income? The average retiree's benefit, according to Social Security, as of January of 2022, was $1,661 per month. So that works out to you know, something in the ballpark of, what, $20,000 a year. And for a lot of people, that accounts for about half of their income in retirement. 37% of men, 42% of women rely on Social Security for half of their, their income. And, you know, Gene mentioned that for a lot of people, Social Security might replace 30 or 40% of their income before they retired. So if a lot of people are counting on it for half or more, that suggests that they probably didn't do enough preparation so that Social Security had its proportional place in their retirement. They're counting on it you know, too much in a sense. They aren't necessarily able to keep their standard of living up. So one of the things we would encourage people as they think about Social Security, it's important, but you probably don't want to rely on it 
for half of your income. You know, especially if you're an above average earner, you know, you need to be thinking about other sources of income, like from your investments, to fund the vast majority of, of your retirement expenses. I would think of it as, as that safety net, kind of like insurance, rather than as an investment. So when can people start claiming benefits? Gene, will turn to you. So that's a very common question. 62 gives you your, your first shot at Social Security if you want to take it. But you won't get the full benefit at age 62. So a lot of people probably know that going in, but more than likely don't realize the ramifications long term of that. You more than likely will be getting 25% less than if you waited till your full retirement age. And that full retirement age varies depending on the year you were born. Full retirement age will remain 67 for everybody born 1960 or later. So full retirement age, that's when you get the full benefit. You can delay it and go all the way to age 70. You don't have to take it at 62. And every year you delay it, you'll you'll accrue retirement credits. So if you retire full retirement age at 2022, your maximum benefit would be like $3,345. However, if you retire at 62 in 2022, your maximum benefit would be somewhere like $2,364. So that's a big difference in income. You have to really kind of weigh all the pros and cons and see what's going to work out best for you. Most people probably know that you get a higher monthly check by waiting. How should people make that decision? Roger, we'll turn to you. If you claim before full retirement age, that reduces your monthly check by between 5% and 6 and two-thirds percent for every year early that you claim. Now, if you wait past your full retirement age, you get a credit for the delayed filing, and that's 8% per year. So it tax on another 8%. You know, one year later, say from 67 to 68, another 8% if you wait till 69, et cetera. Now, there are a lot of factors to consider, like like Gene said, in, in whether you're going to take it early, on time, late, somewhere in the middle. If you expect to live longer than average, or even if you're just concerned that you might run out of money if you live longer, waiting to claim as long as you can makes a lot of sense. Women, for example, tend to live longer than men, live longer than the average. That would lean a woman, all else being equal, to waiting. People who have accumulated more wealth and have higher income tend to live longer. Reasons to think about waiting to claim. So in general, you know, we think people should at least consider waiting at least until full retirement age. Now, there are some situations where claiming sooner is preferable. If you've left work and you, you just need the money, you know, what, what can we say? You know, that happens. Those are some great insights. Let's explore a few questions around marital status and what that might mean for Social Security benefits. Roger, in a couple or partnered situation, how should the two coordinate and who should claim first? For a married couple, there's even more incentive for the higher earner to wait to claim Social Security. And the big reason for that is survivor benefits are based on the higher earner's benefit. There's a pretty good chance that at least one spouse is going to live beyond average life expectancy. Our colleague, Judy Ward, often says Social Security is a women's issue. It's a big issue for women. And again, women live longer on average and, for many reasons, often have lower lifetime earnings. So the survivor benefit can be really important, especially for women, but, but for couples, and you have to take that into account. Now, the calculation for benefits for the lower earner can be kind of complicated. 
the lower earner can claim based on his or her own earnings record, but also a spouse who didn't have a lot of earned income might be better off getting what's called the spousal benefit. And that can be as much as 50% of the higher earner's benefit at full retirement age. So you get the higher of the two, and you have to wait until the higher earner has claimed to get that spousal benefit. There are lots of strategies, but just a quick summary of a couple. First is, if one spouse had very low earnings or no earnings, really, to speak of, you might want to have both spouses file around the same time at or after full retirement age. But another situation is one spouse had more significant earnings, but still ultimately is going to take advantage of the spousal benefit. In that case, it could be beneficial for the lower earner to claim on his or her own record as soon as possible at 62, then switch to the spousal benefit when the higher earner claims later, you know, like at at age 70. So there are just a couple of general ideas to consider. You're going to want to spend some time looking at the numbers for your own situation And quite likely, it's a good idea to get some help from an expert. Now, Gene, can you explain benefits for divorced spouses? So divorced spouses, remember the numbers of 10 and 2. So you have to be married at least 10 years, and your benefit is not coming out of your ex's benefits. That's the other thing you want to note. If you're remarried, you can't collect benefits on your former spouse's record unless your later marriage and in annulment or divorce or death. And if you're entitled to benefits on your own record, your benefit amount must be less than you would receive based on your ex-spouse's work. In other words, Social Security will pay the higher amount of the two, not both. You can apply for benefits on your former spouse's record, even if he or she hasn't retired, as long as you have been divorced at least two years before applying. That's where the two years comes in. And you can consider the following. If you are uh, in a situation after you reach full retirement age, you can elect to receive only the divorced spouse's benefits and delay benefits on your own record, which may translate into a higher amount. So uh, that's more of the strategy that runs through this theme of, yeah, how do I maximize my benefits when there's another partner involved? And lastly, if your ex-spouse passes away after you divorced, you can still qualify for widow's benefits. But these are some of the things that get really complicated with Social Security. More than likely, every situation has a little quirk here and there, and it's good to always to check that with a Social Security representative. So, Gene, when you talk to people, do you get a sense that they get good information from Social Security? Do they get help on strategies or just what the numbers are? That's a great question. I've been knocking on that door myself so I can give you some firsthand information. So I've spoken to people at Social Security, and I've been very impressed. They've given me some very solid information. They give you the options, okay? This is what will happen if you do this. This is what happened if you do that. I found it very informative, and I found them very thorough. Roger, back to you. Can same-sex couples collect survivor benefits or spousal benefits, and would they need to be married? For a same-sex couple that's married, the rules are just like other married couples. In addition, the Social Security Administration site says that Social Security also recognizes some non-marital legal relationships, such as some civil unions and domestic partnerships, for purposes of determining entitlement to Social Security benefits. What Social Security encourages is that people apply for benefits even if they're not completely sure that they qualify. 
if you think you might qualify, go ahead and apply and see what happens and see what, uh, what answer you get from Social Security. And how do survivor benefits work? Roger, we'll start with you. So if you survive a spouse who earned enough to qualify for Social Security benefits, you may be eligible for monthly benefits yourself. Now, one interesting thing, the number of quarterly credits required for the deceased spouse for you to qualify, that depends on the age that uh, that spouse died. And it could be lower than the 40 quarterly credits that Gene mentioned earlier. So don't assume that if you know your, your spouse died young that you won't qualify. Now, in general, a surviving spouse can get reduced benefits as early as age 60. At age 60, though, you only get 71.5% of the benefits that the deceased spouse got. So there is a significant reduction if you do it at 60. But again, you have that option if you need the money. Now, in a couple situation, with the survivor, you go from getting two checks to one check if you were both collecting before. And that's really important to keep in mind. The living spouse gets the higher benefit, but not both benefits. I think a lot of people don't appreciate what this can mean to your budget. It's, it's a big surprise to some people. Your living expenses probably don't go down by 25 or 50 percent after one spouse dies. So it's very important to recognize that those checks are going to change after someone dies. Gene, what would you add to that? Roger makes an excellent point. When couples face that day that you go from two checks to one check, your bills or everything else remains the same. And if you didn't do the proper planning there, you could really be forced into making financial decisions that you're not really comfortable making. Social Security will pay a uh, one-time death benefit, $255, based on the fact that if they were living with you or if you were living apart and your spouse was receiving certain Social Security benefits on your record. So then it comes down to two things, whether you're already receiving benefits or not. If you are already receiving retirement benefits, you can only apply for benefits as a widow or widower if the current retirement benefit is less than the survivor benefits. If you haven't applied for benefits yet, it might be a good strategy to transition from survivor benefits to your own record at full retirement age or later. That way you can let your earnings history build and get delayed claiming credits past full retirement age. So retirees claiming spousal benefits can't increase their checks using this approach. Delayed retirement credits are not available for spousal benefits. So that's one thing you want to remember. And the reverse is also possible. You can start with benefits on your own record, then switch to survivor benefits. The right order for all of this uh, for you will will depend on the size of each benefit. If both payouts currently are about the same, it may be best to take the survivor benefit at age 60 to 70 while your retirement benefit continues to grow. This is another thing you can talk to the Social Security Administration about as well. One important rule on this that people should keep in mind, you know, if you remarry before age 60, your survivor benefits are then discontinued. You know, making the decision to claim Social Security can seem complex. You have to think about who's taking it, when to take it, how to take it. What if I make a wrong decision on my Social Security strategy? 
Jean, what if I started claiming and I wanted to change my mind? Can I claim and stop and then restart? Would I have to pay anything back? Well, so you do have a window. You may be able to withdraw your Social Security claim only if it has been less than 12 months since you were first entitled to the benefits. So something important to note, your date of entitlement is the month you start your benefits, and it may not be the same date that you receive your check. So if you withdraw your claim, you can apply at a future date. To withdraw your claim, you must make a request in writing to withdraw it and repay the benefits that you received. You got that small window. After that, you're going to be locked into that benefit. Roger, are my Social Security benefits taxed? So it depends. For federal income taxes, up to 85% of your benefits can be taxable depending on your income. Now, what counts as income? Your Social Security income, actually half of it, and then all of your other income, things like pension income, work income if you're still working, distributions from retirement accounts, all of those count as, as income in this calculation of how much is taxed. So at low income levels, none of your Social Security benefits are taxed. Then above a certain threshold, 50% is taxed. Above another threshold, up to 85% is taxed, but no more than 85%. Now, in terms of the states, most states do not tax your Social Security benefits, but around a dozen do. So you'll want to be aware of that for your own state as you're, you're entering retirement or thinking about where to live. The tax impact of your Social Security benefits can be pretty complicated. It is worth discussing potentially with a financial professional as you're developing your retirement income plan because these things all have to work together and you do need to think about taxes. If you take distributions from Roth accounts, how does that affect your taxes? That's a really good point. Um, you know, I mentioned you know distributions from retirement accounts count, but the, but only if it's taxable income. So yes, a Roth distribution is tax-free if it's a qualified distribution, things you know, like you're you know, old enough and you've, you've had the account long enough. And so, yeah, in that case, you can take that Roth distribution and it wouldn't count against you for purposes of the Social Security taxation. Can I work and claim Social Security benefits at the same time? Gene, we'd love to hear from you first. You could work and collect Social Security benefits. There's some restrictions, some things you should be aware of. There's a earning limit for the years before you reach full retirement age. The limit is $19,560. If you go over that, then you're going to reach a penalty. Social Security will deduct $1 for every $2 you earn above that limit from your benefit pay. So you may not get nearly what you were expecting. But once you pass full retirement age and you're still working, you can still earn as much as you want. It doesn't exempt you from taxes. A lot of people do this. They retire early uh, and they may be going out to work and not realize that, hey, I'm going to be taxed on that or penalized on it. Social Security, once you reach full retirement age, will pay those benefits back to you. They'll recalculate. So you don't lose them. You're just going to get them at a different time in your retirement payout. So it's not that they're taking it away from you. Generally speaking, from people that I see out there, a lot of people are working in retirement and not maybe for the reasons you think. A lot of them are working because it's an enriching type of situation. They see a purpose to it. They like to go out. They like whatever it is they feel like contributing it is getting more common that people do work, whether they're at full retirement or at or before full retirement. You know, one thing I'd add, Gene, you're you're absolutely right about you know Social Security is going to recalculate the benefits and, and you're going to get back that money that was withheld from you. But at the same time, 
you've permanently locked in that benefit reduction, the percentage reduction for early claiming. So if it's going to take a major chunk out of your benefit payment, that's why we really urge people to think twice about taking Social Security if you're going to have a lot of work income in those years leading up to your full retirement age. So on behalf of Generation Xers, who will be the next wave of retirees, will Social Security be around when I retire? In a reduced amount or at all? How much should I count on it? Gene, let's start with you. If I'm in front of a group of people, I just throw the question out there, say, well, how many people think Social Security will be here? And and all the young people are inevitably, oh, we're we're not going to get that. We're never going to see Social Security. And I would not go to that extreme. It is something I think that uh, younger generations are certainly uh, concerned about. One thing I'll add, Gene, the specific language that Social Security has about this, they say that until 2033, the trust fund should be able to pay scheduled benefits on a timely basis. At that time, the fund's reserves will become depleted and continuing tax income will be sufficient to pay 76% of scheduled benefits. So people think, oh, well, okay, are my benefits going to be cut by 24%? I would say you shouldn't just assume that we're going to see a 24% reduction in our benefits. So I think it is wise to plan for other sources of income and not count on it too much. Well, this has been a great conversation. Let's summarize one or two key takeaways for our listeners. Gene, what would you highlight? I'd like to just relate a quick story that when I was a uh, investment counselor for T. Rowe Price, a gentleman came in one afternoon, and I found out later after talking to him, he was 85 years old. He was all dressed up, you know, suit and tie. He was coming to a financial center. He was coming in to sit down with someone to talk about starting to save again. And I was I happened to be the fortunate person that day to talk to him. When I say fortunate person, he relayed a story to me that he and his wife they exhausted all their funds. They exhausted their uh, 401k plans. They exhausted their IRAs. The only thing left they had was Social Security income. And he was concerned about that because if it was right on the edge. And he was actually walking through uh, a chain of, of grocery stores one day. He saw a sign for a cashier. He picked that up and he's working there three days a week as a cashier. And I started feeling sorry for him, but then I realized as he was talking to me, it wasn't anything to be sorry about. He was extremely exuberant about it, and he was very happy that he was working and he was contributing again. But from that experience, I learned three things. The first one is that Social Security is a, is a great program, it's, it, but it's a safety net. It's going to help you get by. It's kept a lot of them out of poverty, so it, it, it's accomplished what it was intended to do. But the second and most valuable thing is really it's it's probably not going to be enough for you. You need other sources of income, and that requires planning. And the third thing I learned, and it might even be the most important, is that, hey, you never know, even though all the planning that you do, you never know what card you're going to be dealt in life and what may happen. I would just add from the perspective of a couple, you know, if you're in a relationship, you really want to talk about your Social Security plan with each other well before retirement. As with a lot of decisions, you know, the two of you might have some different ideas about priorities. One might be thinking, oh, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I want to live big today and spend a lot of money today. The other might say, well, I'm really worried about outliving my money. So you need to have that conversation. Well, it's hard to believe, but it's time for us to start wrapping up this discussion. We want to leave our listeners with a parting thought or a next step. Roger, let's start with you. 
it's so important not to underestimate how long you might live. So one bit of homework I might give you here is go out and look at a calculator from a reputable source about you know, what your likely longevity is. It's a good reality check to get you thinking about, okay, how long could I live? How long could one of us live? And then the follow-up about protecting your surviving spouse. Be armed with as much information as you can. That's great. Thank you, Roger. Gene, what would you add? Sometimes the best information is right under our nose. Check your benefits online at ssa.gov and get as much information that you can from there. No matter what age you are, you should do it. You can get a lot of information. You can get estimates. There's great calculators. But definitely, the sooner you do it, the more information you get. And you can check it and verify it, the better off you're going to be. Well, thank you both for joining me today. We appreciate all of the rich insights that you provided to our listening audience about planning for Social Security. This has been a terrific conversation. Thanks, Christine. Thank you, Christine. Again, I'm Christine Akins, and thank you for listening. Please tune in for our next episode, which focuses on retirement strategies for the LGBT plus community. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I hope your next step towards retirement is a confident one. T. Rowe Price, Retire with Confidence. This episode of Confident Conversations on Retirement is provided for general and educational purposes only and is not intended to provide legal, tax, or investment advice. This podcast does not provide recommendations concerning investments, investment strategies, or account types. It is not individualized to the needs of any specific investor and not intended to suggest any particular investment action is appropriate for you nor is it intended to serve as a primary basis for investment decision-making. The views contained herein are as of the date noted on the material and are subject to change without notice. These views may differ from those of other T. Rowe Price Group companies and or associates. This information is not intended to reflect a current or past recommendation, investment advice of any kind, or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment services. The material has not been reviewed by any regulatory authority in any jurisdiction. The opinions and commentary provided do not take into account the investment objectives or financial situation of any particular investor or class of investor. Investors will need to consider their own circumstances before making an investment decision. Copyright 2022, T. Rowe Price, All Rights Reserved. T. Rowe Price, Invest with Confidence, Retire with Confidence, The Bighorn Sheep Design, and Confident Conversations, collectively and or apart, are trademarks of T. Rowe Price Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. T. Rowe Price Investment Services Incorporated, Distributor, T. Rowe Price, T. Rowe Price Associates Incorporated, Investment Advisor.